Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hollywood Live Extra with Tanya Hart. I'm Tanya Hart, and my guest today is Dwayne Ashley. He is founder and CEO of the Bridge Philanthropic Consulting Company. Now, this is a company, it's the nation's only full-service, black and women-owned fundraising firm. And you know what? They do a lot of really good stuff to help people realize their dreams and accomplish their missions. How are you, Dwayne? Welcome to Hollywood Live Extra. I'm great. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Tell me a little bit about, you call it's Bridge Philanthropic, Philanthropic Consulting, BPC. Mm-hmm. That's almost a tongue twister. It's early for me. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about BPC. Well, how did you guys come into existence? What was the reason and the need for it? Well, I have been working in nonprofit fundraising for 25 years, and I've worked for a number of organizations from the United Way to the United Negro College Fund. Um, I served as CEO of the Thurgood Marshall College Fund for 10 years. I'm going to run a number of celebrity and influencer foundations uh, and ultimately ended my career as the head of fundraising at Chad's at Lincoln Center, where I went there to help raise an endowment. And after all of that experience um, and looking out across the field, one thing I noticed, and I've hired many consulting firms to work with us in capital campaigns over the years, there was never a minority-owned firm um, that brought a cultural sensitivity um, to fundraising. And so, you know, when the African-American Museum was built down in Washington, D.C., when many of the other large civil rights organizations conduct campaigns, they are not going to people of color to run those campaigns because there wasn't a firm that existed. Um, And so that really was the catalyst for creating BPC. You have all these people that have uh, an enormous amount of executive fundraising experience. They can run billion-dollar campaigns. Um, And we just needed a place. Uh, for all that talent to come together to be able to harness it and bring it back to our community. So that was really the genesis of how BPC was created. Um, I've always been an innovator, one to find an opportunity and, uh, and to, to really create it. And that's what we did. And, and, and that was the, the founding of the company back in 2016. Wow. And so, you know, I, to, to explain this to people, because even though most people make contributions, some small, some large, but I think the people don't often understand that there usually is a big campaign behind this. I mean, when, once you make your contribution, it has already been set up somewhere by someone. It has some place to go that hopefully is going to be going to the to the organization you want it to go to. So that's a lot. There are a lot of different steps here. Take us through that. Yeah. So you're right. Most people don't understand that when large campaigns are run, many of them hundreds of millions of dollars and mostly billions of dollars for universities um, and for organizations. 
There is always outside counsel that comes in to support the existing fundraising staff to run these campaigns. And in the past, that counsel, those, those uh, fundraising consultants, have not been people of color. They have been firms because, you know, they've been firms that are run, you know, predominantly um, by white men, um, you know, who run these companies across the country. Many of them I've hired over the years. Um, many of them are my friends, um, but we just didn't have a firm of color that did that. You generally start out with a planning study that's done where you go and you test the marketplace. You make sure that the campaign um, is the right campaign for that time in the particular marketplace. You make sure that people will give to the mission of the campaign. And all of that is, you know, kind of doing a feasibility study or planning study to determine what is the right number. Uh, and that requires mm-hmm. a skill set. You usually don't put that on your existing fundraising staff because they're running your annual campaign, your gala. They're doing all the things that need to be done annually to keep the organization running. Um, so outside counsel was brought in. And where I'm really trying to shine a light on this is that organizations of color need to give uh, minority firms of color an opportunity to run their campaign. Now there are several um, of these firms that exist. They can all come together on the BCC if they're smaller firms, and we can go in and bid for uh, the larger campaigns and build the capacity to do that. We now have an organization that can do that, and we want to make sure our community is educated about it uh, so that they don't feel that they don't have a resource to turn to in their community uh, that can really run these campaigns and have the capacity and experience to do it well. Right. Who are some of the people that you've worked with in our community, some of the organizations? Yes. Um, 100 Black Men. Um, Harlem Hospital. We are running the campaign right now for the August Wilson House, which is the preservation and restoration of his childhood home. Um, we are running a campaign for the Hispanic Federation. Um, we are also running a campaign for several African burial grounds around the country. One of the most wow. prominent ones is the Mount Zion Phoenix Union Band Society, which is one of the oldest black cemeteries in the country located in Georgetown. Um, there's mm. about, uh, it is believed that there are more than 10,000 free um, and former enslaved um, uh, ancestors who were buried there who built the federal buildings in, in Washington, D.C. Um, and that cemetery needs to be restored and needs to be provided with the with the, the appropriate honor and dignity to honor these ancestors. It's dilapidated, wow. it's falling apart, the erosion issues, and we're running the campaign to restore that. that's uh, a $12 million campaign. My goodness. And I mean, if I hadn't spoken with you today, I would not have even known about that, Dwayne. So how do people, um, you know, for instance, for that, I mean, that sounds like a really good campaign. And it sounds like something that most African-Americans and, and, uh, and other people might want to contribute to. How would they know about these things? How do people find yeah. out? So you can learn about them from the organization's website, but you can also go to our website, which is Consulting. Uh, www.bridgephilanthropicconsulting.com or or you can say www.bpc bridgephilanthropicconsulting.fund f-u-n-d.com and you can find us either way. Sounds good. And we're on Facebook, Instagram, and also Twitter. Oh, I'm so sure because everybody is. (laughs) (laughs) Why is is it so important for especially African-American people to contribute, you know, like I said, we've always been contributors. You know, you look at our churches that we've kept going for hundreds of mm-hmm. years, and that's because people gave. Uh, the NAACP, uh, Urban League, all of those organizations have been around now. I mean, we've had, you know, we got hundred-year-old, hundred-year-old-plus institutions. But for the new ones coming up, what are some of the newer things that people should look to, especially for the millennials, because they're looking for new things? 
Yeah. And second of all, why is well, it important I think there are, to keep these there are things a lot going? of new organizations that coming on the horizon that are doing much of the work um, that has been started, but, you know, are doing it in a different way. Black Lives Matter uh, is one who's doing a phenomenal job and is a social justice organization. Uh, Jazz Houston, uh, San Francisco Jazz. Uh, there's also Jazz St. Louis in terms of the performing arts. There's also the New Orleans Jazz Orchestra, the new, uh, mm-hmm. the, the Louis Armstrong um, Jazz Summer Jazz Camp, which is one of the foremost summer jazz camp programs in the country. Uh, there's a phenomenal organization that's called the Multicultural Media and Telecom Consortium, which represents um, a policy that, you know, they advocate for policy on behalf of people of color all over the country. A uh, hundred million people advocate it every day. So when, you know, folks get their phone bills every month and they're not recognizing when you pay 49 a month and then you get your bill and it's $60 a month and you wonder where those additional charges come from, MMTC is the organization that's advocating to monitor those charges so that elderly people, uh, people who are underrepresented, are not taken advantage of with these policies. So you've got a lot of exciting new organizations that are doing great work. Um, and, you know, you also have Black Girls Rock. That's a, you know, that's a nonprofit that does a lot of ex- enormous work. Black Girls Code are just some phenomenal organizations. You know, Steve and Marjorie Harvey, I work with their foundation. They're doing phenomenal work. Uh, Steve has, you know, done his, his camp for boys. This is his 11th year. Um, and Marjorie does a wonderful program called Girls Who Rule the World, where she brings young girls together and teaches them about entrepreneurship um, and doing some really, you know, some really fascinating work. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love it. Just to let our listeners know, this is Hollywood Live Extra. I'm Tanya Hart. My guest today is Dwayne Ashley. He's founder and CEO of The Bridge Philanthropic Consulting Company, the nation's only full-service black and women-owned fundraising firm and out there doing some great things to take a little bit of a turn Dwayne um excuse me your family had a had a tragedy many many families do but you you lost your brother uh Ronald Ashley who was working for Amazon for many years and I know this is in litigation now but your family has evidence that uh your brother actually had emailed CEO, Chairman, and President Jeff Bezos. We've been hearing a lot about him in the news lately. Um, and he called your brother personally. And so something happened, and your brother passed away. And it seems like it didn't have to happen. I'm, I'm not sure. Explain to me what happened yeah. here. Yeah, it was a, it's, a, it's a very unfortunate situation that, um, you know, we as a family have had to go through, and especially my mother. Uh, my brother Ronald was uh, an HR executive at Amazon. He was an advocate for the employees, uh, really fought every day uh, to make sure that Amazon employees across the, the globe got their benefits. Um, and he you know, was an expert at these uh, benefits. He had a fall on a work trip um, that he reported back to the company and went out on sick leave based on his doctor's um, you know, advisement. Ronald was a hard worker. You know, he was really uh, ready to get back at work but could not physically go back to work. Um, mm-hmm. they, would, they did not want to pay the short-term disability, um, and he kept appealing and appealing, and finally um, they did pay it in, uh, almost five months later, uh, and then they stopped it while he was still under doctor's care. Uh, and it was time for long-term disability, they didn't want to pay. Um, and so he went into crippling depression because he's a professional, he liked to work, um, he's used to working and used to you know, making his own money and you know, taking care of himself, and also um, he was providing support for our mother. Uh, who, the, who was a small business operator for many years. Um, he reached out. Um, well, his, his supervisor came to visit him in his home, um, and then he reached out to um, 
um, Jeff Bezos uh, let him know about what was going on, and it is my understanding that Mr. Bezos responded uh, and said he would fix it. My brother was then put back on active uh, leave uh, in the company, and um, I guess they were in the the process of getting this corrected, and um, he passed away of a heart attack. Um, on November 26th um, due to mm. all of the stress, um, financial stress that we were not aware of. Um, and um, it's interesting that after he passed away, um, the law firm disability apologized and paid the benefits immediately to the estate. Um, oh, and so, you know, we kind of knew something was amiss. And you look at all the documentation, we left copious notes to let us know what was going on. And, um, you know, they, they, they really mistreated him um, uh, and did not honor the service that he gave to the company. So as a result of that, we have, of course, um, you know, filed a wrongful death claim against the company. Wow. Well, Jeff's got a lot of stuff on his plate, doesn't he? <laughs> he really <laughs> well, I think does. he needs to take care of his employees, uh, especially an HR executive whose job is to take care of your employees. That, you know, uh, all the employees deserve to be treated right and fairly. Uh, and my family's goal is to make sure that no other employee at any other company has to endure uh, what my brother had to endure and what our family has had to endure. So we really want to see policy change as a result of this. We want to see um, that they are really committed to making sure that they put the proper steps in place um, so that no one else goes to this. You know, from my brother's colleagues, we learned that the company has grown very fast. Um, you know, and they just made a lot of missteps because they're growing so yeah. fast. They didn't have an infrastructure in place to support the employees and give them uh, what they were due. Yeah, boy, that, I got to tell you, that's prob- that's that sounds like the closest thing to probably what happened. It's like you know when you when a company grows like that as well. You know, your company has gotten large. Yeah. Uh, you really have to have that infrastructure in place, yeah. or else you're going to be bigger than you are ready to be bigger. You know, and and you just can't handle it. But uh, just before I let you go, I just wanted to thank you for all of the great work that you are doing. So sorry about your brother. I am so sure that it will work out in your family's favor. It sounds like you've got a good case. Uh, But back to the Bridge uh, Philanthropic Consulting, otherwise known as BPC. I just wanted to congratulate you, Duane, on all the work you're doing. If there's one thing you would like to say to people about giving and its importance, even in today's, you know, whatever is going on in today's world, what would you say? Well, I would like to stop this myth about that minority people don't give because it's absolutely not true. <laughs> We've always No, given. you're right. Uh, our first philanthropy is to our families because of the history of slavery, the history of uh, economic disparities in this country, um, which are all you know, remnants of slavery. Um, we have always given to our families and taken care of them first. And secondly, we give to our church. Thirdly, we give mm-hmm. to education. Um, those are the top three areas when you talk about philanthropy in minority communities. In minority communities, I'm talking about people of color all over. Um, so that that myth needs to go away that people don't give. The the second myth that needs to go away is, um, you know, people of color who have wealth, they give also. People give to charities that are personal to them, um, charities that they feel that they have an alignment with, um, and that's the work that we do. We work with a number of influencers uh, to help them uh, really plot out and put an infrastructure in place to do their philanthropy. Um, and so I just really want to, you know, try to dispel that myth uh, that people of color don't give, um, and that it's important that 
Um, people are engaged in a number of ways to give. You can give through your volunteer service. You can give through making direct gifts. You can also give through planned gifts, that is, leaving life insurance, uh, or whether you want to, you know, uh, gift property, any, any of those kinds of things, the charities that are important to you. Uh, the most important thing is that you develop a relationship uh, with the donors uh, and you steward that relationship. So we're excited about what our community has been giving. We see, the, based on the data, uh, that giving in minority communities continues to go up. Um, and we would, you know, the nonprofit charities of color, much success as they continue to engage uh, with people of color from all walks of life um, so that they can really achieve their missions uh, and have more impact in their communities. I'm, I'm so proud of you, Dwayne, and I am so sure as long as you guys are there, you guys and, and, and ladies there doing what you're doing, we're going to see even more growth um, and, and really taking back our institution. So thank you so much, and thank you for being a guest today on Hollywood Live Extra. Thank you, I'm, and take care. Okay, bye-bye. welcome. Okay, I'm Tanya Hart. And don't forget to subscribe to Hollywood Live Extra on all of your podcast stuff like SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. Make sure you download all of these because you don't want to miss any of them. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review. I'm Tanya Hart. This is Hollywood Live Extra. Hollywood Live Extra, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.